there are three things in this life that you can rely on. Death, taxes, and Wraith Rovers Football Club. The Rovers returned to the top of the league on Wednesday night with yet another last gasp goal, uh, with almost the final kick of the ball, and aided by the last fresh air swipe of the evening, uh, Lewis Vaughan sparked absolute bedlam in the aptly named Pleasureland End. So some of us were there. Uh, some of us had the misfortune of being subjected to the Arbroath TV commentary, but we are all absolutely desperate to talk about it. Uh, this is the Oh No 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 podcast. I am Duncan Cameron, and tonight I am joined by a full house. Uh, we have, first of all, Carol Allison-Smith. How are you, Carol? I'm very good. Even better after last night. Absolutely. Uh, Ian Lato is here. How are you, Ian? I'm, uh, I'm great. I'm delighted to be back in, uh, in your company. Fantastic. Uh, we've got Robbie Weir. How are you, Robbie? Uh, fantastic, Duncan. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, mate. Very well. Um, Christina Beatty is here too. How are you, Christina? Very well, thank you. Buzzing to be back also. Excellent. And last but not least, we've got Blair Hopcroft too. How are you doing, Blair? I'm buzzing again, mate. <laughs> So we will, um, of course, uh, with today's episode, we will also look forward to a huge game at Tanadice on Saturday. Uh, but before we do that, let's let's jump right into last night's game. <clears throat> so the initial kind of starting lineup, I think, was fairly close to um, to what a lot of us expected. But there was a an early kind of twist uh, as Jack Hamilton dropped out due to illness. So Blair, um, like me, you you were there. So how did you feel about the Kind of the the opening stages of the game, yeah. Take us up until kind of the the first goal. Um, yeah, I think going up in the bus, the team lineup obviously came out, and we thought, oh, good. Like he's he's kind of freshened up a wee bit, kind of the way we thought he would. Um, but I was really keen for Jack Hamilton to play because I thought it was going to be one of those kind of nights that pitch, and um, which I know we'll, we'll kind of talk about as we go through it. It was a bit heavy. Um, you can actually see it in the warm-up. The goalies were were kind of warming up right in front of where we were stood, the, our growth goalies, um, and the pitch was cutting up already, kind of underneath them. Um, so I thought, actually, this could be a night where it's going to be quite important to kind of get the ball to stick to him. Um, so obviously, when he when he didn't come back out um, for the, the game to start, there was that kind of initial panic of, ah, shit, he's going to be out for Saturday, like which was more important, to be honest. So I'm quite glad that it's just a, a sickness bug. Um, hopefully it's nothing nothing too major and he's okay. Um, opening period of the game, first five, ten minutes, I thought we were a wee bit stuffy. Um, I thought they probably started better than we did um, in the initial um, points of it. Um, their two strikers were, were decent. They were quite busy, actually. And I think the, the tail of the first half for me was the ball stuck to them and it didn't stick to Jamie Gullen quite the same. Um, we seem to play, and we've talked about it before, seem to play a bit like like we had Jack Hamilton on the pitch, but didn't have Jack Hamilton on the pitch. Um, and it's no discredit to, to Jamie Gullen, it's not his game. Um, Tam O'Brien, I'm not sure he'll have a much easier night, really, in terms of dealing with those balls in. Um, but after the first sort of five, ten minutes, we weathered that pretty well. Um, and then when we scored... I felt it was coming. Like we looked more likely at that point. Um, Sam Stanton, I've still no idea what he was trying to do um, as he plucked the ball out of midair. Um, but a cracking finish from Aiden. Absolutely great finish. So, yeah, and I, I 
pretty bizarre kind of 10, 15 minutes. But then I thought, comfy, like we'll be all right now. That's, that's, I was I was very much the same. I agree with everything that you've said there. I thought our both started better than I expected them to. And um, the Rovers at times, they, they kind of looked like they were almost playing like a 4-4-1. But it's like either Gullin or Smith was like an active striker at any point, but there wasn't really any kind of interplay between the two of them. Um, but the, the goal looked like it was going to kind of settle them down. Um Carol, did you feel about the same kind of up into the to the first goal? Yeah, I mean, my notes on last night's game were slow goal, heavy pitch, heavy legs. Gave it up the park because everyone missed the memo that Hamilton was not there. Terrible second half, and then obviously, but yeah, up until the first goal, you felt it was coming, but it was just slow. It was the slowest I felt we've played the whole season. It just was slow and heavy and, yeah, it just didn't didn't move, I suppose, would be my best description. Yeah. Um, Robbie, would you agree with that? Yeah, completely agree. Um, I think Blair's absolutely right in terms of what he said, that when we get our goal, you think, yeah, we should be comfortable from here on in. And we'd had one that was had already been cleared off the line. Um, so you're suspecting, okay, right, Easton's looking quite lively, Stanton's getting on the ball quite a lot, Connolly's always going to be a threat. We should kick on from here. And then it's just a moment of madness for a penalty to get them right back in the game. Uh, very, very frustrating to see that because we shouldn't be losing penalties like that. And again, you, you'll know straight away that he's made the error and all you can do is move on. But, um, yeah, just really, really a game where it was just a bit of a turgid affair. I used the word insipid uh, to describe it. And I think Carol's nail on the head there. Just very tough to watch. Um, again, people absolutely slaughter AstroTosh pitches. Um, that's the, the current campaign that's ramping up now that the potential vote's coming through. But you cannot tell me that a game at Starks would be worse than watching a game on that Astro uh, or on that pitch up there because it was just so heavy and just just not conducive to a good game of football whatsoever. But credit where credit's due because um, against what looked like the complete run of play in the second half, we obviously come in and we get that at the right at the end. I wouldn't again, maybe not even against the run of play, just more in terms of. Against all odds, I would say. So yeah, I think for me the the pattern of the game was very. It was kind of dictated by by how well our both stuck to their task almost. Um, I actually I was thinking about this earlier today. I don't know that there's necessarily any out and out bad teams in this division. I think there are teams who have glaring deficiencies kind of in their own way, but our both are bottom of the league. I don't think they're bad. I think they're just very limited. And obviously with the change of manager, what you're hoping is that you'll tighten them up. And I thought that was what they did. So they, they, they played, they didn't play well in as much as um, I don't think they were ever going to sort of win that game, but they did their jobs very well and they made it very difficult. Um just sticking to the the penalty for a second, um, Christina. Do you think there's any 
any scope for any argument or any any mitigation, even for Liam Dick in that one? Absolutely not. I watched the highlights again earlier. I don't even know what he was thinking, why he even did that. I mean, he must be gutted for that as well. Um, totally agree it was a penalty. At that point, I was thinking, I thought we were comfortable up to that point, and I thought it was a silly thing to have done. It didn't make me worried, though. I thought, OK, it's 1-1 going into half-time. Fair enough. We'll come back out in the same way as we started. And major credit to our both because they, they changed it in the right way because the second half was completely different, which it's OK for me who was sitting in the house warm, but I think if you're standing there on a freezing December night and our both, and then that's the kind of football you're watching, it's not great, is it? Because you want to have enjoy it, enjoy watching it and feel like you're watching quality football, which then kind of changed in the second half of it, which was a shame. But credit to our growth because they came out and did the job. I thought the the belief kind of faded from them when the the Rovers goal went in. Um, the kind of immediate five minutes after the goal, I thought, oh, hang on a second, could this finally be the time where we actually put a bit of distance between ourselves and someone else in a league game? But obviously not. That would be a silly thing to do. Um, and the penalty really did bring them back into it. But I think that just gave them that sort of jolt of of belief and then yeah attitude wise I thought I thought our both were absolutely spot on and then um the key thing I think that changed going into the second half was in the first half the rovers were going long a fair bit as as where you've already said and they weren't really getting anything out of it and then second half you could see there was a very deliberate decision not to do that they were trying really really hard to keep it down and pass it but um I think, in a sense, that played in Arbro's hands a little bit because then you you know what the task at hand is, which is essentially track your runners, stick to your men across the midfield and just keep it tight. Um, Ian, across that kind of second half as you were watching it, was there anything that you were kind of crying out for for the Rovers to do differently? Or do you think they were just it was just a case of sticking to that task uh, and, and waiting until injury time? <laughs> yeah, um, like I, I thought after about seventy minutes, seventy-five minutes, I was sitting watching it, thinking, kind of like we're huffing and puffing a bit here. It looked a little bit like we'd run out of ideas a wee bit, you know, with uh, Callum Smith and Jamie Gullen just kind of <laughs> having turned out and running the ball down towards the corner, and then being dispossessed by Tam O'Brien. It seemed to happen just time and time again, and it, it was becoming really quite frustrating. Um, I think. Like we've kind of touched on it there, but like just miss Jack Hamilton so much. I mentioned it on the chat last night. Last I think we've, we've pretty much got a replacement for just about every player in this squad, but there is no replacement for Jack Hamilton. There's no other striker who offers us what he offers us. Um, I think the, the Dunfermline game away in the cup was the perfect example. The way he occupies the defenders um, doesn't give them a second, the centre halves. I mean, you know, he, he kind of drifts onto one and then he'll drift onto the other. And when they've got the ball, he presses them in the right way and forces them to play it long. And like for what Gullen's got and for what Smith's got, it's not that kind of skill set. So I think we really did miss um, miss Big Jack up front. So I was delighted to hear that it was just a stomach upset and, and fingers crossed he's, he's, uh, he's fine for Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Blair in the ground, did you... Did you see a goal coming as it went into the, the final stages? Honestly, um, I did. And I, and I know that sounds bizarre, but 
it's just like if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's 85 minutes or one each, we're probably going to win. And it was like, it's funny because like Robbie obviously talked about on, on Saturday how the mood didn't change in Starch Park. And I said, well, that might be a time thing. Like it wasn't a lot on the Friday, sorry, it wasn't a long time at Partick where we were down. You know, it was maybe 10 minutes or so. Um, it definitely started to change a little bit in that that little stand behind the goals. There's a lot of frustrated voices and a lot of shouts. We weren't playing particularly well. And I did, I must admit, I turned to my mates, I was like, just stay calm. We're just about to enter golden time. We're all right. Like, just we've got to just keep plugging away. And I think the thing for me was the change of shape. He moved Connolly into the middle. And I think that was partly because he was going to make the substitution to get Mullen on anyway. But you could see a definite change of shape. You could see um, he, he kind of pushed us on a little bit. And then with maybe, I don't know, seven or eight minutes to go, he went to the back three again and pushed Brown into the midfield. And I wish he'd done it 10, 15 minutes earlier because for all that are both huffed and puffed, um, they had the one shot on goal, which was the penalty, the one shot on target. Do you know what I mean? They didn't actually carve us open. They had a couple of decent chances. But I just felt if we kept plugging away, there was another chance in it. And as long as you've got another chance and you've got Easton, Vaughn, you know, Smith, all these, like, if there's a chance to be had, we look like we could we could score. So I weirdly felt quite calm and then felt quite, like, kind of almost um, kind of justified effectively when it, when it happened. But um, it's this thing about, you know, we kind of keep doing it. And I said it a few weeks ago, watch us. We absolutely can keep doing it. And we're, we're oh, it's, it's amazing. You know what's so great? You know what's great? Carol, you said on the last podcast, like people keep saying, why we can't keep scoring 90, 90th minute goals. Why not? Exactly. Why not? So we kept yeah. on doing it. It's brilliant. It's fantastic do you, fun. Do you think Brown's key to this? But so Because when he moves up, you just see, I mean, it sounds quite basic. He just seems to shove everybody else up. And we're going back into the basics. If the ball's not in their end and in their near their goal, we ain't scoring. And those last 10 minutes, just as Brown just, he just seems to shove everybody up. That just seems to be the move. It's just right, I'm going to move and you're going to move up with me because you've got no choice. Because if you come behind me, I'm going to shout at you. <laughs> I think it is. It's the, it's the kind of unorthodox nature of it where that, I mean, that game last night in the, in the simplest terms was basically just two four four twos just crashing into one another for most of the game. And just by moving Brown from the defence into the midfield, you've then suddenly got an extra body who who sort of nominally shouldn't be there. And that's where you start to see the guys in the midfield just getting that little bit of space and are able to turn. And you see that in the build-up to the goal. Um, I mean, in the... Three bodies streaming forward on the left wing, like at the actual goal. And Sean Byrne does so well. Just uh, it's almost like a pass combined with a tackle. It's like pure Sean Burns' essence there that just like knocks it through uh, into towards and then just gets knocked out to the wing. It's great. It's... I think Robbie's right. In that I was going to say the the that weird debate that ended up online about the the pitch and plastic pitches and all the rest of it. That pitch last night was a weird kind of leveler. Like it took away everything we were good at. And basically put us toe to toe with a team who deal with that week in week out. Like they'll deal with balls into the centre halves. Like they're not worried about that. 
Um, and had we had Jack Hamilton, I think we might have had the edge even in that. Like like Ian says, it's like we don't have anybody else that does that job. Do you know what I mean? But um, the pitch just took away everything we're good at. Running with the ball, you know, passing and moving and all that kind of stuff. Scots triangles and it just, yeah, it just didn't, didn't happen last night. I would agree with that because when you're watching it, you wouldn't actually think it was top and bottom of the league at all. Nice. I mean, I said in the, the intro to the last episode that if you didn't think we were going to come back and beat Partick Thistle, you haven't been paying attention. Yeah. And uh, yeah, apparently I've not been paying attention because I, <laughs> hands up. Um, I get a text just it was going into injury time to say, is there any chance the Rovers are winning this? And I was like, no. I was like, nah, they've been brutal for the last half hour. Like, it just, it didn't have that feel to me. Kind of because of what you're saying about, um, it's not just the pitch. Our both need to get a lot of credit for the way they, they kind of handled that. Yeah. But it was there was mistakes and kind of sloppiness. Some of them forced, but mistakes coming into the Rovers game that we've not seen a lot of recently. Um, not to pick on him, but he was the most obvious example. Liam Dick could not get a ball down the line all all evening. Sure Just did. one of these, every time it's slipping away from him, going out to play. And the couple of times we start to build up a little bit of pressure, somebody strays offside. And you just yeah. let them back out again. And that was, I was like, nah, nah, this isn't, we're not building up that kind of slow ramp up that, that we've that, been um, relying on. It's like that towards the end of the game, Callum Smith's chasing a ball down and he's up against O'Brien. And O'Brien's obviously like head and shoulders above him. He's a big lad. But then you sort of factor it in that he's like chasing after him behind. And the slightest touch, and O'Brien's like getting a free kick, and you're thinking this is just not our night. Like it's one of those ones where it's just experience buys him it, um, and you can tell there's a degree of frustration there from our part that things haven't worked out the way that they should have. Until Duncan, you might have uh, you might have texted your mate saying that there was no chance we were going to win, but at least you didn't very publicly send a tweet claiming that we were miles off it. I'm afraid. A tweet which has now been viewed nearly 10,000 times. So if you want to feel like a dick, <laughs> then I recommend that. <laughs> uh, to be fair, we were miles off it. But what you and I have had to learn that everybody else learned weeks ago is that this, this <laughs> Rovers team is just, uh, they are undeniable. It doesn't matter. They don't even need to be on it. And it's a thing, again, I was thinking about earlier on, it's something you said there, Blair and Robbie, about people saying... Um, you know, you can't keep this up, like you can't keep going and all that kind of stuff. And it's something that came back to me. There's a line, uh, this is a weird uh, avenue I'm taking us down, but there's a line in a James Bond book. I think it's Goldfinger, right? And he's talking to James Bond and he says, if something happens once, it's happenstance. If it happens twice, it's coincidence. And if it happens three times, it's enemy action. If you don't mind me casting the rovers as the enemy in that analogy... What are we up to now? In fact, Christina will be able to tell us how many how many goals have scored in like the latter stages now. It's so far beyond coincidence or luck or any of that. It's absolutely it's deliberate um planning and the ability to benefit from the sort of particularly attacking um players that we've got. Again, reading kind of comments after the game, and it's our both fans who are saying well, the latter stages of that game, the Rover subs made them better and our subs made us worse. And it's not um, 
it's not doing a Robin Veldman and, and actively making your team worse. It's just that most teams at this level, you've got your starting 11, which is very, very strong. And then you've got the guys who aren't in your starting 11. Um, yeah. Us so, last season, basically. Yeah. Exactly. I was just going to say that. We never even had a bench last season. But um, McIntyre was in their press conference after like saying that. He was effectively like, we're missing a few key players. McKenna's not going to be back until March. And we've got 14 players to use, basically. And they'll need to go again Saturday, was his sort of message in the press conference. But I, I, again... To go back to what Blair says, I know a lot of people are going to sit there and they're just going to break it down and just be, oh, it's luck. Very easy to do that. Um, I don't think that it gives enough credit in terms of the the additions that we've made in terms of the squad, the depth that we've got, even like the minor changes that we seem to be making behind the scenes. Like you look at stuff like sports science, data, that's bound to be having an effect. And there's probably guys like Bill Orr that are sitting there saying, yeah, there's definite degrees that we've got adding to our game um, in terms of what's available, the data, and how we use it, um, and what's there. And I think it must have a psychological effect. I know that we spoke a little bit about it earlier in terms of like, our, sort of there was a bit online and sort of um, just teams must be going into that final 15 minutes absolutely dreading it. And it's great absolutely fantastic to see and it's much like us our first 15 minutes of a second half which funnily enough we managed to get through without any scarring yesterday which was a nice change but yeah there must just be that impact where clubs sort of say oh we know that they're going to be coming at us for the next 15 minutes we'll need to sit in a bit deeper or we'll maybe need to try and catch them on the counter and then get caught on the counter themselves so yeah what do you do if you're an opposition manager there's really very little that you can actually do against it so i think it's very it's like easy. they have no concept of time it's like the last 15 minutes for rovers is not the last 15 minutes it's almost like the bench is keeping how long they've got left from them and just saying keep going and they're just okay we're just going to keep uh, going because they're fit enough this season Last season, 80 minutes, if you told them to keep going, they're like, oh, do we really have to? I mean, seriously. Whereas this year, I think they could run and run and run. And I just the last 15 minutes for them is not the last 15. It's the last 20. It's the last 30 because we just need to keep going. But I'm going to add, uh... sorry, I was going to add to Duncan's quotes because I remembered about a quote earlier and I changed it to adapt the rover. The quote that's, show me your friends. And I'll show you who you are. And I changed it to show me your board and I'll show you who your football team is because I feel like that is what has changed. The only thing that's changed is the people coming into the club have obviously changed the environment. They've changed the mentality. They spoke to players last year and they said, like, showers were cold and the showers didn't work. So how's that going to make you feel like you're at the top of your game and that's your environment? It's not going to make you feel like that at all. I feel like everything that they've done at the club has obviously had a major impact and it's, it's the training, the professionalism, they're like actual athletes where they're set meals and they're just, they're going to the gym. I know they did all that anyway, but I feel like it's everything together this season that's working. See the, um, I don't know, I know Ian sort of posted that um, earlier, but Liam Flynn, um, the guy from Kinghorn, he's got his, uh, the Digi Eye podcast, it's called, and he's done an episode with Lewis Vaughn. And if you do get a chance, this might be one that we actually can promote and, and turn Rovers fans onto rather than putting them to the club. Um, it's a, basically sits down with Lewis Vaughn and just talks about like his career and what he could have 
at what he's done and things like that and where he's at. And Vaughn actually says that. He calls out that, like, the, even the meals are getting prepared at the stadium now. They're yeah. not, like, having to go away and do their own lunches or things like that. It's all done at the stadium. Um, so that's a really good lesson if you do get a chance to, um, when I'm uploading it to, to YouTube or Spotify, I'll put in a link to it and... Uh, it's well worth a listen, basically. I was I was going to say this this whole late game thing. So this has been going around in my head for the last couple of days, and it was sitting in the bus coming home, and Pine Bovril posted, and it's actually the first time I've kind of looked at the list of games where we've scored late goals and, and come into it, and I went through them all, and I genuinely think this is actually really simple, really, really basic. And I think Ian Murray deserves a huge amount of credit. So if you'll indulge me for a minute, I'm going to go through the list, right? So it starts with Partick away on the first game of the season. So we're 2-0 down. He makes two substitutions. He brings on Ethan Ross and he brings on Kieran Mitchell in the late stages. Ethan Ross gets two assists, one of which is for Kieran Mitchell. You then have got Queen's Park at home, the 3-2 game where they're down to 10 men. Vonnie comes off the bench, Vonnie scores twice and wins us the game. You've got Inverness at home, the one that breaks the hoodoo. Jamie Gullen comes off the bench, scores the winner. And it's like this pattern just keeps going. You go to Dunfermline at home, the 93rd minute winner. He brings on Easton. Easton changes the game, pushes us forward, sets up the goal for Stanton and Stanton scores. Then you've got Queen's Park away, the 3-2. Hamilton and Gullen both come on and McGill come on, drive us forward, the substitutions change the game. You've got Inverness away a couple of weeks ago, again, substitutions that change the game. And then you've got Partick, which we all know, um, Smith coming on and again changes the game. And then last night, again, Vaughn comes off the bench and scores. And it's this thing of, you look at it, and Duncan, you've hit on it, and we've, we've spoken about it a few times, the Veldman thing, and how his was kind of weird. But every other... <clears throat> have to make substitutions because players aren't they you know, fit enough to play for 90 minutes or they're tired or they're injured or whatever. But every other team that we play against, every time they make a sub, and the Pars is a perfect example, every sub they made made them worse and every sub we've made makes us better. So in the final 10, 15 minutes of the game, they're on a downward and we're on an upward. So it's no kind of surprise that for the last 10 minutes, we dominate games because we've got fresh legs coming on who are all, and I, 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 the analogy I used last week, and I stand by it, it's like the tiger cage at the zoo. It's like he's shaking them up and going, you're not getting to play the day. So they come on and they're like, I'll show you, I'm going to play the day. So they're coming on the last 10 minutes and we're better for them being on. The other team's worse for them going off and we win games late on. But to the outside, you know, it's a 90th minute winner, but there are no boys that have been on the pitch for 90 minutes. They've been on the pitch for 10 minutes. Well, even on Friday, you saw Lewis Vaughan coming off, and he was fuming when he came off. Like you could, you could see him, which is understandable. He says that himself. He he just wants to play as much football as possible, and he'll see him. He is a key player in the squad. He's almost uh, if he gets a couple of goals on Saturday and thinks it was way, he becomes top scorer in the league. So yeah, I think but he uh, also knows that if he comes off, somebody's going to come on and score a couple of goals in the last game. He's going to play next week. But I think it's it, there's a kind of compounding effect of having like multiple players in that area of the park who are, who are all good enough. And it's when you get to this point in the season where 
not only are all of these guys coming on and contributing, they're basically all match fit. So even when you go back to like this time last year and you get guys coming off the bench, not only are they not as good as your starting eleven, they're also, you know, they're cold as well. Like John Fredrickson, right? I, you know, I'm not asking him for him back by any means at all. Didn't have the technical ability for this level, but also never got a run of games. So even when he was coming on, you're asking even more from him. And then well, even in addition, a really good example of that. Do that again. I'm sorry, uh, Matty Paplatnik was the perfect example yes. of that. Great Never example. ever got that. And that, um, what, what you also get, and I think this is probably uh, goes overlooked sometimes, is the injuries that you don't get because these guys are getting a rest that they wouldn't get otherwise, and that they don't even want. Lewis Vaughn's a great example. So Vonnie came back from his injury last season and basically played all the time. So did Tom Lang. Now, obviously, we're still light in defence this season. But Tom Lang came back from a fairly serious injury. And um, because Conor Ryden was recalled by crew, he then basically played every minute available because we didn't have him. And you could just tell it was inevitable. Sooner or later, he was going to pick up some kind of muscle injury because he was playing too much football. All of these guys in the forward line, like, I mean, last night, so um, Jack Hamilton's got that illness. See, that was just a, a slight ankle knock or something like that. He probably still comes out of the team. Ian Murray says, look, J- Jamie Gullen's desperate for a chance. He's actually earned a chance. Set it out. Again, this time last year, not a chance. He'd have had to play him because he wouldn't have had the alternatives. So you get, uh, you get this kind of compounding effect where it's multiple factors all contributing to, to give you this really um, strong effect in the, the later stages. That was uh, you and Murray last night. Could have had them in the squad, but he's just came out in the post-match and says, to be honest, we could have used them, but we didn't want to. So we're keeping him ideally to see if he's better for Saturday. That's it. And that's, that's where I think you get this real... Um, Christina, to go to your point, I think there's there's credit to the board for expanding the budget and, and bringing in the infrastructure in particular. But also, there's so little wastage, there's so little fat in this squad. So I was looking at, um, it was a, a Cali Thistle fan talking about what does Duncan Ferguson need to do in January? And they're talking about the players that Billy Dodds has brought in. And he had five names. I don't know who any of them are. No bother. But he's basically like, these five guys aren't good enough. They need to be shipped out. It's like, we're not carrying five guys. We're not carrying anybody. You could you could make an argument for Ethan Ross, but he is out on loan and, and by all accounts, a heavy portion of his wages are being covered. We've then got um, Arnon at Kieran Mitchell are out on loan. Everybody else, obviously Keith Watson's been injured for a fair bit. He's, you know, if you were being really, you know, critical and looking at it from a purely, um, you know, black and white point of view, you'd maybe argue that Keith Watson's um, kind of bottom of that list. He was, he was brilliant until he got injured. Like, there's nobody in this side who's picking up a wage who's not working for it. So actually, it's not that there's loads of money being thrown around. It's that the money that is being spent is being spent very, very wisely. And again, there's, there's a lot of people who deserve a lot of credit for that. And the interviews that Dylan Easton did last Friday and stuff, you hear the players actually saying that they didn't enjoy football 
however many years ago, sometimes at this club, sometimes previous clubs, and the fact that they all, Sean Byrne, for example, as well, love it. Absolutely love it. There's got there's obviously that they want to be at the club. Which is great. Like why in January, why would you not want to come to Rachel Bush if you got the chance? Is my question. It's a very good question. Yeah. Why would you not want to come? John Potter's job would be really easy on the phone in January. <laughs> I was gonna say Duncan, I think that's a really good point actually. Even just the injuries, like you say, the injuries you don't get. Jamie Gullen's another example of a, a boy who Every time he came back from injury, two or three games later, he was injured now again. again. Um, and now he's he's playing his way back in and he's he's maybe not as involved as he wants to be, but he's probably the better for it. Like, you, you know, we're going to get more out of him because we're not flogging him until he can't stand up anymore. Um, Aidan Connell is another one. Yeah. Came back, had to sit on the bench for three weeks before he got a sniff. Yeah. Wouldn't have happened last season. He'd have started the first game back he was available for. And then like having a full deck of top trumps, having loads of eights and nines, <laughs> and not having to worry to play your three. It's like okay, I'm I'm going to have to. I can take out one and rest my my good one and put in another one, and I'm not going to have to stress that it's a three and I'm going to lose this round. It's like it's just having those the, a good deck of top trumps. We saw that happening at Starch Park when Dunfermline came and Benedictus was put straight on from the beginning, and he was not ready for that, and you could see it. And that's exactly what would have happened with us as well. Absolutely. Um, I don't think we've spent enough time actually talking about the goal at the end here. We've barely touched on it so far. Let's let's talk about that for a bit because um, that was really good fun uh, <laughs> in the ground at the end. There's a, there was like a, quite a nice little um, kind of. So as you say, boy, there was like a little bit of kind of grumbles and stuff coming in. I think the most notable effect really of, of what was happening with the game was that the away support had kind of migrated from from behind the goal kind of round to the corner yeah which was really good because it meant that there was the proper kind of slope for everything to come down at the end there um it's one of these just as the ball goes in it's actually it's really difficult to see what's happening at the far end it was only Callum Smith throwing his hands in the air and then the next thing I knew I was about 40 yards away from where I'd started was just stop short of clearing the barrier, unlike certain other people. But I think if I'd been maybe 15 yards further forward, it would have been a question at the very least. Um, just uh, absolute chaos. And then I uh, just such good fun. I remember saying um, a good, good few episodes ago on this podcast, we talked about, um, I can't even remember what the question was. But I remember saying that one of my favourite things is um, a player who scores at the other end and then has to run the full length to get back down to the corner. So talking about Regan Hendry at Fur Hill and Gregory Taddy at Pataudry. I think we can add Lewis Vaughan at Gayfield to that. It's exactly the same. In that corner with the goal in at the far end. Um, uh, Blair, we'll start with you because you, uh, you were in the ground too. Good oh, fun. Was... Oh, like... Honestly, like I've been doing this for years, going to these games, and you get one or two of them a season, and we're at eight or nine now, and it's just it never grows old. <laughs> I mean, the beauty of it though, this is the first one where it was terracing, and there's something glorious about something like that happening in terracing because you get the rush, you get like hugging your mates and all the rest of it. At one point, I grabbed somebody who I thought was somebody I was with and wearing. And it was just, oh man, it was so good. And then the players coming over and they're in the crowd. 
And it's the, I always love, I agree, the thing where a player runs a length is brilliant, but I always love the one player that stays in the other half so that they kind of kick off. And just Shout out there. to Scott Brown for that, by oh, the way. 200 IQ, yeah. completely bodied them with that. He just sits down and you can see Robbie Thompson walks up to the edge of the touchline and starts laughing about it as well. Like, you can just see we're completely at it there. Because the one at Partick, I always remember it was Steve McLean that stayed in the in the other half and just stood. Just stood, not going anywhere. And they're going, he's going, no, I'm not going anywhere. They're celebrating. I'm just I'm just going to stand here. Um, but no, it was oh man, I, I love I love a goal anyway. I mean, I've always said this. You know, you go to Ibrox or whatever, and they're like, What are you hoping for? I'm like, I'm hoping for a goal. I don't even care. If we get beat five one, as long as I can go mental once, I'll I'll live. I'll be all right with it. Um but last minute goals. Oh, man. And that's especially, as you say, for me anyway, I, I wasn't expecting that one. So it really did kind of take me by surprise. Um, I, I think I was on the uh, the other end of the dynamic you've just mentioned there. The boy in front of me turned around coolly expecting one of his mates to be there, and it was just me, and I got cuddled <laughs> anyway. It was good. Um, uh, Ian, I think, did you wake the burn up celebrating that one? I did. I did. Uh, yeah, he was unimpressed. <laughs> Um, just to touch on like the goal itself, I thought that the 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 kind of build up from Vaughn was one of the few kind of parts of or bits of quality in that second half from us. He kind of takes the ball and and approaches the the edge of the box, and the way that he rolls his right foot over the ball, which makes the defender take the step that way and then cuts back inside. That tiny little um, kind of piece of skill is the the, the exact thing that creates the space that allows him to then get the ball whipped across the front. It actually takes a little deflection, and I, I didn't notice that um, watching in real time on the telly. It takes a little deflection, and has does it not take that little deflection? I actually think Colin Hamilton probably gets a proper connection on the ball, and he probably clears it. But because it takes that little nick from the defender on the way through, it kind of throws uh, Hamilton off slightly, which then means he inadvertently kind of puts it up and, and off the underside of the bar. But uh, yeah, Kudos to Lewis, Lewis Vaughan once again for, for coming up with the goods and, and the little bit of quality that we needed just to get us over the line. So uh, I'm going to, Christina and Carol, I'm going to come to you one after the other because you, you are the, the kind of resident optimists. So, um, Christina, we'll start with you. Did you see that one coming? Well, I didn't. And I actually then decided to move into bed. I was like, I'm just going to watch the last little while in bed because this is over on TV off. That'll be it. And then I did, it was like uh, Ian said, I saw the build up and I was like, oh my God, wait a minute. And I actually got out of bed. I stood at the bottom <laughs> of the bed and standing in front of the TV like, no way. And then, oh my God, amazing. And then I watched the highlights today. I didn't notice last night, but what a change for Hamilton. He's sitting in the goal, head in hands, on the floor. I'm like, he must feel absolutely gutted. Like, I felt like I never Good. normally feel like that. And I'm like, it's amazing. <laughs> I really put on for him. I was like, what a shame. You know what's even better? They sing that song about Hammy winning the league because he scored that goal at Starks Park, even <laughs> though it took them about like a month after that they won the league. Absolutely delicious that it was him. That absolutely, and it's when you you hear the 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 camera that's next to the goal from Ben, and you hear the ping off the crossbar, Chef's kiss. <laughs> yes. Carol, give us your uh, your experience watching that one go in. Well, um. To, to add fuel to the, the conspiracy theories online, 
I, I did at one point, because th I thought the ref was going to blow a whistle at any point, because he must have found those extra minutes down the back of the sofa, because I <laughs> do not know where he got them from, right? Going to, it was like, oh, he's going to blow the whistle. So I didn't quite make it to bed, but I kind of leaned back on the sofa, thought, right, I'll be happy with 1-1, because let's face it, it's been a bit of a can't second half. It's been a bit slow. There's a load of mud on people's boots. Feet are heavy. This is not going to go well. And then it was just, oh no, here we go. And then, like Ian says, Vaughn did this little thing with his feet, and you're like, we are actually, we are going to do this. We are going to do this. And uh, yeah, my, I, I think the last relationship I've had with my neighbours downstairs and their kids is gone. It's gone because I'm an hour ahead, so it's always like like half eleven, and I am running around the house screaming my head off. Going, yeah, so yeah, done, done. The relationship's done. They do not appreciate it at all. But I'm yeah. Worried. I was going to say I'm going to tee you up a bit, Duncan, because I know I know you share my dislike for this person I'm about to talk to, but I know why the referee added time on is because at every moment that he could, Derek Gaston did his <laughs> very best to go as slowly as he could for everything. He was slowing the game down at every moment, and I'm going to say it now: he should have saved that that goal. I don't know what he's doing. Is he pulling his socks up and putting his gloves back on? Is he finished for the night? Because in the yeah, video, actually, he just slowed down. He's like, he's like, oh, I need to get going. See, he's as the ball comes over, as Ian describes, that whip on the ball, I think he's leaving it. I think he's letting it run out. It's like he kind mm -hmm. of, it goes to shepherd it almost. Bizarre. It's, it's, um... Yeah, no, absolutely no sympathy for Derek Gaston whatsoever. I don't know, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's just short sleeves. Don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> if you had long sleeves, I'd be quite happy with them. Um, I think whether this is a, is a deliberate thing or just one of these things that football fans start to imagine, I don't know. But it feels to me like the referees this season have decided rather than booking players for time wasting, they're just going to punish them with minutes. Yeah, It's almost like if you're taking time over a goal kick, it's like time and a half. Almost. Which actually, if they were doing it deliberately and they published it, I don't think it would be a bad idea. It would, it would be quite an effective deterrent. Because there was definitely a couple of points, as you would expect, and that's not a criticism. I would expect a Rovers goal to do it as well. But, you know, into the end of that game, he's taking a really long time. And the referee's got no intention of booking anybody. But you start to get this longer and longer injury time that I don't think two or three years ago you wouldn't have got. I can't remember who it was. There was a game... Maybe in the Dundee United game, actually. It was a game at Starks Park relatively recently. We had six minutes added on. Uh, and I mean, I think there was five minutes against Thistle on Friday night. And it's, you know, you, you watch enough games, you're like, this doesn't feel like a five minutes. Um, you know, it hasn't felt like a five minute second half. And I think that was the same. It didn't feel like we were due as much injury time as we got. And I can only ascribe that to, yeah, the referees being kind of particularly kind of punitive at the moment when it comes to, to time wasting. I think there's a wee thing in there. I think you're right, but I think they're also something that's always annoyed me is that they would time waste up to the 90th minute. The ref would be like, "I'm adding three minutes on." <laughs> then they continue to time waste, and they just play the three minutes. And I feel like now, I think you're right, but I think they continue to time waste into stoppage time. And the ref, you can see them stopping the watch. It's like, take your time. I'm stopping the watch. I'll start it again when you play. And it, it just ticks on and ticks on and ticks on. But he was he was on the total go slow. And that right foot of his, it's like a shinty stick. He just swings it. And the, ah, oh, 
can't stand them. I really can't. He looks uh, like, um, you know, sometimes you'll see like an American TV advert, but they've decided to make it based around football. They're trying to sell like razor blades or whatever. I know what he mean. looks like if you get a goalie to take a goal kick in one of those adverts. Yeah. Just. And you'd watch it and you'd go, no goalie kicks a ball like that. Come on. Aye. It's like a PlayStation 1 animation. <laughs> um, Very odd. Or a catalogue right. model taking a kick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Um, one of those crash test dummies. Yeah. Right, we'll keep doing this all night. Any final thoughts on this game uh, against our both from last night? Yes. Just on you go, Robbie, after you, please. Uh, no, I'll let you go first because I'm going into a rant. Okay. <laughs> um, just wanted to mention the uh, the social media and the fallout from the social media uh, after last night's game. Obviously, the Rovers put up the, put up the top four. Um, with us top, Dundee United second, Patrick Thistle third, and Dunfermline a blurry fourth. Um, a about that. Yeah, it has broken a few very, very angry Dunfermline fans on Twitter who I think must have their notifications on for our tweets because it's the same ones underneath every single one. You're obsessed with us as they so, reply yeah, in our tweets. Yeah, yeah so uh, just a quick get it right up you to them, really. Okay. It's so funny though. I love it. The uh, it's the the people who like are commenting on it who are clearly Arnie Rovers or Pars fans, and they're just like the level of pettiness is incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. So funny. But I'm here for it. I'm loving it. I'm like I spotted that straight away, and I was like, yep, they are in the distance. It's bloody. You can put so many levels on it. Uh, my only concern from last night's game is that on the app I use for match updates, this phrase is becoming a regular thing. Uh, Ross Millen has shown the yellow card for excessive celebration. Okay. We're going to have to re. I mean, I'm all for it, Yo. but we're going to have to just. Nah, he does <laughs> well. Nah, he's fine. No thanks. Yep. Nah. I didn't see what it was that he got booked for last night because he was apart from everybody else. I don't know if Blair, you had a better look at it. But the, did the he just get into I've the seen. stand? The he was literally in the crowd, eh? Right. <laughs> all I've seen of it is um, him carrying. Lewis Vaughan over his shoulder. Yeah. He's just got him over his shoulder, just talking about it. Like it's a child out. having a tantrum going, You're not getting any more. Come on, Aye. that's it, you're done. Just very quickly, Robbie, before you go into your rant, talking about social media, shout out to it's, it's Kirstine, I think her name is. I always get it the wrong way around, but it's not Christine. I think it's Kirstine that does the Wraith TV occasionally. She does the, the tie yeah. announcement. Yeah. And it was the caption this, and it was him with the with Vaughn on his shoulder. And the caption was the the, the third wise men brings gold. <laughs> that was brilliant. So funny. I think Kirsten's you know, done done possibly two games on the Tannoy and we've scored nine goals in them. So uh more uh, more from Kirsten, please. Uh right, Robbie, you're uh, you're teed up, ran away, please. Well, you know who's definitely not a wise man? Fermer and his commentary on Arbroath TV. It has to be said, um just a special mention that naturally a 90th minute goal is enjoyable, but it's even better when you've got a Gubbins commentator who's a complete just moron sitting there just going off. And it's just, you know what really frustrates me about this is that Scottish football gets a reputation from down south as being Manancud, pub league, etc., etc., just being in, um, like agricultural. And I, well, a name like Fermer, it's not really a surprise that. It's just, why are you like that? Like, he, he starts the game and he's talking, oh, we've got so-and-so on the Don French. Why are you using Cockney Reinman slang? You're from Angus. Just shut up and get on with it. 
Like, I don't understand why he's like this. And it's embarrassing. It's literally embarrassing for the level of football that we are at, that you have people involved in football clubs like that. So it was absolutely delightful to see that he was crestfallen as anything, completely devastated, just vergeteer stuff. Um, because he just comes across as a total clown. He went viral once with that, uh, or cheesy peeps that gets banded about from t- time. And it's just... I just so, so glad that they were on the, the commentary because they're just talking about absolute nonsense about like discos and breaking with Doddy Muirhead or some nonsense, just talking about their pals on commentary. And you're thinking, this is meant to be a professional club of a decent standard. Like, come on, lads, let's get a grip on this. But I very, very, very happy that he was absolutely crushed and uh, devastated by that Colin Hamilton um Hang off the bar. I think you should get off the fence, Robbie. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> the thing I can't understand about that is why you would ever go to a disco in Brecon when our broth has a nightclub that's fully themed for Danny DeVito. Uh, which is entirely true. Just an look, odd part look of the world. Up. A very odd part of the world. Um, right, let's move on then. Let's look ahead to um, what I'm sure is the biggest game in the uh, in the country this weekend. I think the League Cup final might be on, but I am encoding that. Um, so Rovers go to Tanadice. Uh, seven <clears> buses, <throat> is it, are we up to the club are putting on? Eight, including... So the club did just tweet um, quite recently, we sold um, 1,725 tickets so far, and United have agreed to open the Jim McLean, Jim McLean, Jim McLean Fair Place stand once we sell out an initial allocation of which there's only 150 tickets left so aye absolutely amazing stuff I'm glad they've done that I counted them by hand before we started because I hadn't seen that tweet but I did to be fair about 150 so at least my uh, my arithmetic's alright um, I could not be more buzzing for this one um, said before the I think the highlight of the uh, Gary Locke reign was the atmosphere we managed to get going at Tanadice. And that is going to be a fraction of uh, of what it's going to be like on Saturday. I cannot wait for kickoff just to hear the very first top of the league uh, <laughs> that I'm sure we're going to get. And um, it's just, it's going to be such a good day. Just it's one of these things where you, everybody you can feel is already coming together for this. Those 150 seats will, 150 tickets will fly. I've got absolutely no doubt. The shed's going to be packed out. I don't know how many people will end up in the Jim McLean. But um, yeah, I'm absolutely delighted just with the, the build up to this. Um, Ian, why don't you start? You give us your thoughts on, uh, on this one. Yeah, sure. So, I've kind of got a, a starting 11 down here and I'll run through it and then I'll kind of give my, my, my reasoning thereafter. So we're obviously going to go big 10 goals. We'll go Millen um, and Dick at fullback with Murray and O'Reilly at centre half. I think we'll then go a two of Berman Brown. We'll then go with a three right to left of Mullen, Stanton and Easton. I think we'll then go Hamilton. So I can hear... Preemptively hear people shouting at their at their radios on a Friday morning as they're making their way to work. What's he talking about? There's no Vaughan. Allow me to explain. How many times Blair's touched on it already? Like this is a squad game. So I said 
I think it was on the second or the third podcast, uh, right back at the start, and it would have been September or October. I don't think we've got a best 11, right? I think we've got a great squad, and I think Ian Murray has used it to its fullest potential, and he's done exceptionally well with it in the way that he's going to change the game with substitutions later on. And we've gone up a level as teams are coming down a level. So, having Lewis Vaughan available to come on after 65, 70 minutes, like, that's an attacking sub. So if you if you set out with what is probably your most attacking team and you're needing to chase the game, and there is a good chance that you might have to chase the game at Tanadice on Saturday, if you've already got your most attacking team on the park and you're 1-0 down, any change that you're, going, that you're going to make is going to make you less attacking. So I think uh, we need to keep probably Vaughn and probably Connolly um, on the bench on Saturday because if we need to chase a, chase the game and go for a goal, they're the players that are going to come on and get it. So I hope there's a little bit of method in my madness there and I hope you can kind of understand what I was getting at. Uh, I do, because I completely agree with you. That's that's exactly how I would have set out an 11 for this one as well. And I think the to just to, to your final point there about you know leaving yourself kind of room to manoeuvre almost, I think the alternative, if you do decide to get your extra attacking players in the park, you're, you're then faced with having to leave out Scott Brown or Sean Byrne or Ewan Murray. I'm frankly not doing that. I want all three of those guys on the park. Um, and I think it's, the, the argument then becomes really, and, and your forward kind of four, who do you want in there? Do you want Vaughn over Stanton? Do you want Connolly over Mullen? I think I'll, some of those arguments are are um, coin tosses, really. You could absolutely, you know, if one of these ones, like, <laughs> you know, a good lawyer can make a case for Aidan Connolly over um, Josh Mullen. And equally, that same lawyer could make this the argument in reverse, and, and, and yes. win either way. Like it's, it's there's not a there's not a compelling case either way. It's two very very strong options. Um, so let's let me let me just open this one up. Then is there anyone who's going to disagree with um, Ian and I's eleven that we've we've laid out there? Yes, me. Should have known <laughs> me. Right, ready. Wait till you hear this. Right, and then just tell me what you think. Brown, Murray, O'Reilly, Millen, Stanton, Byrne, Connolly, Easton, Vaughan, Hamilton, Lebowski, up to me, top of the league after Saturday afternoon. That's the winning lineup of dreams. I don't know about 13 names. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just... Was that Lebowski up front well, That was my main concern, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Only eleven. But uh, I think have you just dropped Liam Dick? You just decided yes, that after I that did. performance, he's just. I did, I did, and I, I thought. Graham Meldrum. Because I, I, I would prefer yeah, Murray. Right now. I'd prefer. Well, my, I know. A, I know. Are you a back three, Christina. Uh, yeah, no, I did. No, I did four, four, two. Who's the left back? So I put Brown, Murray, O'Reilly, and Millen, and then Stanton. That listen, Stanton, Burn, Connolly, and Easton. Oh my word! Could you imagine? And then Vaughan and Hamlet. I'm gonna do oh, that classic. Who's the left back, Christina? Oh, I know, I know, but I'll just get to Dan O'Reilly. I think Dan O'Reilly would have to be your left back. Maybe. To be fair, you're not gonna lose many headers for that team. No. 
I've got to say I agree with I agree with Duncan and Ian. I have to say I think that there's a there is a little bit of me, tiny little bit of me that wonders if Murray'll just go, nah, I'm no P he and Dundee United, and he'll play some three six one or two five three or some bit. I've got a theory. I've got I think he's gonna go Hamilton Smith Vaughan up front, Hamilton and further out. So he's gonna go one two. And then we're going to go Eason, Stanton or Connolly. I can't decide on Stanton or Connolly because that's going to be our super sub. Slitting slightly behind. So we're going to go one, two, two. And then we're going to go uh, Byrne and Brown sitting slightly back of that midfield. And then we're going to go Dick, O'Reilly and Millen. Back three. Fuck up. Screw it all over. Go away <laughs> for it. So that's what I think. I... <laughs> spanner among the ones. <laughs> I just just a full arrow. Just... Fully going. Yeah, right, right click, uh, running lines everywhere. Um, <laughs> I would not be surprised to see the back three at some point, but only if we're getting beat. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it's the um, for now, it's the break glass in case of emergency. Um, this is something we might revisit in a, in a minute or two when we come on to our big question. I think you'll be able to tell in January if that's a kind of viable long-term option, if we go looking for an alternative kind of attacking left-back. But um, for now, I think it's it's an emergency. It's an if you're, if you're in trouble um, kind of tactic for the time being. I just don't think we've quite got the, the guys to be able to do it from the beginning. It's a little bit too chaos ball um, with the some of the options that we've got. Um Robbie, what about you starting lineup at I'm um... gonna be very uh, unoriginal. Kev, Dick, Milne, Murray if he's fit with O'Reilly at the back, Brown and Byrne and the Holden Rogues. Um and then going forward I would have uh, Vaughan, Stanton and Easton in there. Um keep Connolly on the bench and Smith on the bench. Um to bring on like we did against Partick if we need to and Big Jack up top because Big Jack is an absolute unit of a machine who has been scoring for fun recently and um, we missed him a lot so hopefully he's back for uh, Saturday I, I, I think there's certain um, linchpins in certain areas of the park I think Jack Hamilton's certainly one of them uh, and, and you come boy No I was going to say I'd, I'd take that like it's it's for me the big the big question's going to be the midfield. It's the same problem we had two weeks ago is how do you fit Brown like well like you said, Duncan, Brown, Byrne and Murray. How do you fit them all in? You either have to drop one of them and play Brown at centre half or drop them, or you push him into the midfield with Byrne. My only worry about it is the last time we did it was Airdrie away, the two of them together. And it was such a big gap between back and front. And it felt like that last night as well. Because I remember that you mentioned in the group chat about, you know, is this just a 4-4-2? And I was like, I don't know if it's like a 4-1-3-2 or some kind of diamond. Or but there was such a big gap between Byrne and Stanton. And then the two forwards just buzzing about, no really quite doing anything there. And it was that thing of, I feel like if we don't win the midfield, it could be dangerous. But my worry is the size of the gap. If I didn't want Jack Hamilton just isolated up front, 
is is my concern. And that was definitely the problem when we played Airdrie because they just yeah. sat back and, and waited for us. That that I think you're absolutely spot on. The problem with that Airdrie game was that Brown and Byrne were both um sort of waiting for the game to come to them almost in that system. And as you say, Airdrie didn't didn't do that. Airdrie's tactic was very much to sit off and try and try and drag us out. It was a little bit of a um uh kind of a movable force against a stoppable object. That one. Both teams kind of cancelling each other out by what they weren't doing. I think the difference would be at Tanadice you would expect that Dundee United will bring the game to us. So so that shouldn't be as much of an issue. However, I do think it's certainly part of Ian Murray's nature to be a little shade bolder than you would maybe expect. And it is almost it's it, it relies on him being actively um you know conservative to, to play two holding midfielders when he's not been doing that. And it's not something we're, we're particularly used to seeing from him. So I think it is a big a big call that he's got to make. Because he absolutely could do the same thing. Um I feel like Goodwin expect him to do that. And I mm-hmm. think that's the thing. You talked about it against Dunfermline, how he out-tacticked um, Dunfermline. And there's a wee bit of me thinking, Murray, like you say, he is quite bold. Like, he might he might rip up the playbook and do something different. He might have, you know, something up his sleeve that none of us have even thought of. I think, um, and this is something that I've, I've, not, I've not thought about, I don't know them well enough, but the impression I get with this Dundee United team is that they are there to be got at, that there will be weaknesses in that side. They've seen it when they've had injuries. Um, again, I apologise for, for not having done my research well enough, but you know, like they were missing Ross Doherty for a while and they were really struggling in their midfield. That's the kind of thing Ian Murray would be all over. Um, so I think a lot of it will depend on where he thinks United can be got at. Because I think they are, they're, yeah. they're one of these sides who, when they're good... They're very good. There's no, there's no denying that. You only have to look at their goal difference versus ours. That if I've said it before, you know, if they can get two goals up, they can very easily get three and four and five. What you've got to do is keep them within kind of arm's reach. Um, but the longer that goes on, you know, we've seen it in their cup games that they might be undefeated in the league. They've lost cup games that they should not have on paper, and it's not like they. they you know, once in a load of guys who weren't normally playing. It's the same team. They're, they're not putting out second strings, and they can definitely be got at. Uh, Robbie, you think you were coming in there? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that the you can't narrow them down as a one-player team, obviously, because they've got so much depth. I know that Kai Fotheringham in particular has been absolutely sensational recently. He's scored a ridiculous number of goals coming in um, over the last few games. I know that Lewis Moke's been on a bit of a... He's not hit the net, I think, since he scored at Starks, as far as I'm aware. I might be wrong about that. I'm sure I picked that up from like the Couriers podcast um, that they do. But, yeah, um, I think that it's worth just doing a bit of a stop check as well, just from our perspective. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, we're taking 1,200 fans up to Tanadice. We are currently... Um, sitting what? Uh, how many points is it? We're ahead at Airdrie. We're what? Um, twenty-one points is it? Uh, no, um, twenty points or so. 
above Airdrie. Um, 19. Like that. 19. 19 points ahead of fifth place. We're currently uh, 11 points ahead of third place. Like, if we win, it's seismic. Let's not get any way about it. A draw is obviously an excellent result for us. A loss is by no means catastrophic. And that's not setting us up for a loss because I, f- I feel like we should go there in full of confidence. But if we get a goal early on, very, very interesting to see how toxic that place comes. Um, and you look at their Twitter feeds in terms of United fans that'll come up just in your sort of for you section. And they're talking about the late goals. And they're also a bit like, oh, we'll see how good they are. But there's also quite a few fans that are worried in there. Very, very worried. And they should be, because all the pressure is on them. No matter what anyone says, all the pressure is on Dundee United. When you're paying guys five grand a week, like Tony Watt is allegedly on, um, 100% it's very much the case that they should be squishing this division. But we're still there hanging in. And I've got every faith in the squad that we've got that we can go up there and get a result on them. Uh, but again, the perspective of where we're at this season has just been, it's been an incredible season and long may it continue. I think the um, the thing that, that gives me a lot of, kind of confidence going into this one is you see it with football teams all the time, really hard to shake a pattern. And the Rovers are in this really good pattern at the moment, obviously. We've talked about it loads, scoring these late goals, winning these games narrowly. Dundee United have got that kind of reek about them where they've been rotten in all their big games. Going back over the last year, you know, they they, they lose all of their games in the bottom six after the split on last year's Premiership. It's not all the same players, but they've lost all of their cup games as well. Not lost, literally all of them, but... um, I happened to see a stat earlier on today. This is the first season since uh, 1945-46 where Dundee United won't play any top flight sides um, unless they end up in like the sort of playoff final because they've been knocked out all the cups too early and obviously they're in this division with us. Like They're not winning the one-off games. They're winning the run-of-the-mill games, which is fine, and you can win leagues doing that, but... This is a big, big game for them. It's a big, big test, and they've not been passing their big test recently. Um, and you're absolutely right. Tanadice, not one of the friendlier grounds when their home side's not doing well. We have a real chance to properly turn up the noise in there on uh, on Saturday. Um, yeah, I cannot wait. I'm sure you can hear my voice. I'm giddy. Uh, just I've actually got my I've got one. my Christmas night out tomorrow night and I'm buzzing for Saturday. I just want to <laughs> just ah, oh, so excited. Wraith TV Someone... are providing pictures and it's my partner's fiftieth birthday and we're going away for a nice weekend. But I've managed to sort of casually put into the conversation today that we need to be at the hotel before <laughs> four o'clock uh, Spanish time because yeah, for obvious reasons. And yeah, I don't think he's twigged yet, so we're on it. We're on it. Um, yeah, it's going to be a very fast cycle into Girona on uh, Saturday if I'm running late. But yeah, that is the plan. It's on Wraith TV and I cannot wait. Someone I just wanted to bring up as well. Um, we've now won seven away matches in all competitions in a row. Uh, Callum Blythe 
uh, the Specky Rovers fan from the Copa 90 video, his worst <laughs> not mine. <laughs> he replied to my tweet last night and said that it was the best run uh, of away games since 1995. So it is, uh, it is absolutely seismic, the, the kind of run of form that we're on just now. I, I, I can't shake in my head the idea that we're crap away from home. Because <laughs> it's just been that case. it's been that way historically for essentially the the entire time we've been supporting the club. So to hear that sort of stat just kind of shows you how how good a run we are on just now. That's uh, the season though, isn't it? It was like, uh, oh, we'll be shit when the clocks go back. Um, yeah, and we're not so far. Um, oh, we never beat Cali, but we're beating Cali. Oh, we've never won at East End Park, but we've went there and beat them once and then scudded them the second yep. time. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Callum Blythe as well, because he, he was absolutely correct when he said uh, yesterday he did a carol and came in very specifically to say it's going to be 2-1 Rovers because we'll never do anything easy and we'll score an injury time to get it. So Callum, well done. And uh, sorry, just while we're doing the uh, the Callum Blythe cast, he also <laughs> yesterday um, put a YouTube video that he, he put together. It's a kind of an impassioned defence of um, AstroTurf, uh, you know, kind of plastic pitches in the face of a lot of this uh, kind of propaganda that's been uh, been flying around, and it's it's well worthy of your time. Uh, again, I think we'll stick that in the uh, well, Robbie will stick it in the the podcast description. Yeah, I retweeted it, so you'd need to fish through a thousand <laughs> gifts after <laughs> after yesterday's match. Uh, but Christina, I believe you're on uh, you're on one of the buses that the um, the club are putting on. You uh, looking forward to this one? Yeah, I'm buzzing. I was just thinking when Robbie said that about going to East End Park and not ever winning, that was I went to East End Park for the first time and everybody around me was like, this never happens. And I'm having the best time. Everybody's like, this never happens. I'm like, I'm definitely coming back on the second Saturday, <laughs> thinking it was just totally normal. Um, so yeah, buzzing for Dundee United. I got a space on one of the buses. I know nobody that's going on the same bus as me. However, I'm going to have the best time and I'm sure I'll make friends on the bus. And then, yeah, I'm just buzzing. I'm buzzing to see all the different grounds, actually. It's like a different, whole different feeling for me this year. Um, seasons past, if I was at home, I wouldn't even necessarily watch. I would just listen. But this year, I'm fully invested. You've got so, the away day bug. That's you, stuff. I've got the away day bug. I'm like, just wait until, wait until it's four people up in Dingwall on a Tuesday night for a League Cup game or a Challenge Cup under 20s game and Christina's like yeah of course I'm going there why wouldn't I'll I be there. I'll drive no problem um, so I'm going I've decided that I'm going to go to Livingston as well and I'm going to go back to Dunfermline again so hopefully I can keep building up my my uh, away grounds tick the boxes and uh, I'm, I was going to say that I'm getting that bug back I remember there was a few years where I remember once we drew Peterhead away in the Scottish and me and my mates were like oh my god we're going to have to go to Peterhead and it was like that never even occurred to us. Don't have to go. Like <laughs> for, for the last few years though, and I've got to be honest, the last few years, there's a few weeks where I've been like, I'm not going to Inverness. Oh, I can't board. We're gonna go up there, we're gonna get beat. I can't board. I'm not going. Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm going. I mean, last night there was no doubt in my mind that that I was going up to our broth on a Wednesday night. I was at Morton on a Tuesday night a few weeks ago. Like, just no doubt in my mind that I'm going to the games because it's just brilliant. And a quick shout out as well. If you're going to the game on Saturday, take a selection box with you. So the Dundee Food Bank are doing a drive to get selection boxes for the kids. And I, I always think it's one of those things when the away team turns up, 
like let's take more selection boxes than they bring selection boxes. Like let's just do everything that little bit better. Um, so yeah, if you can grab a selection box and take it with you. Absolutely, that's a, that's a great shout, mate. Definitely. Um, right. Anything else anybody wants to to add in uh, ahead of the game on Saturday? We're doing predictions. Um, can I just before the prediction? Can I just um, give you a couple of stats? Yes, um, I had a wee look today about the goals that we've actually scored percentage-wise from 81 to 90 minutes this season, and it's 43%, which I thought was massive. It's massive. Um, it is massive. Last season, it was only 11% in that time frame. Wow. And the season before was only 22%. Um, this season, we have conceded the most between 61 and 70 minutes, and it's 28%. But seeing the seasons past, it's always been between 81 and 90. So we've done like a full flip to conceding the most in that time to actually scoring the most in that time. And I saw a bit of random info on Twitter today, and you could tweak this to suit any argument you really want, but I just thought it was interesting. Someone had put up saying, if you'd ended all the championship matches this season at 75 minutes. Did you see that, Blair? I see. You know, I, um, I know, I know. Wraith Rovers <laughs> would actually be eight in the table and would be 19 points worse off and Parker Thistle would be top. And I thought, yeah, you could change that to say if you ended at 80 or 70 or whatever. But I just thought that was really interesting. When by you the asked. other side, by the other side, if games were played to 100 minutes, we would be absolutely destroying <laughs> this league. So just be very, very grateful, you absolute jobbers, that we are not doing that. that. I absolutely hate those stats. I'm waiting for somebody to do one. If every team didn't have a goal, yeah. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It's that old thing about like my granny had wheels and all that kind of thing. <laughs> you um, did well right. left with her. Yes, <laughs> of course corrected the last second. <laughs> um, right, let, let's let's do some predictions then. Um, we'll start with the uh, the oracle herself. Uh, Carol, how is this going to go? And then the rest uh, of us all have a guess. So I've got my fantasy prediction. I am still hoping that Ross Matthews is going to do a super sub, come off the bench, score one when he comes back, take us to 3-2. And we'll win in the last minute. Um, uh, I think we're going to come out and we're going to score early. Um, Dundee are going to go two one up, and we're going to come back three two. Um, and yeah, why not go? Why not? But last eight minutes. I can't last... take that, Carol. I can't. I can't be down and up. No, that's. I can't. We know it's going to happen now. We know it's going to happen now. We just have to get into that zen about minute seventy five and be calm, deep breathing. In and out, and we'll be all right. We'll be fine. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, I'm not not sure I would be I would be around to see the the final goal going in. In that case, um, <laughs> right, Christina, you can be next, please. Uh, how do you see this one going? Um, about two three o'clock today, when I was calm, I said one one, and now I'm really excited, so I'm going to say three two. Three two as well. All right. Okay. Um, Blair, you please. Um, <clears throat> I think it's going to be really. Turgid. I think they're going to cancel each other out. Um, I guess it'll be one each, two two, but probably one each. I think it'll be a. I think it's going to be a bit of a disappointment if I'm being totally honest. Um, Robbie, you next, then, please. Yeah, I mean, United haven't conceded a lot of goals this season, so I, I'd be quite surprised if we managed to get three past them. I think it'll be a a one nil Rovers win. Right, and with you, mate, I also think it'll be a one nil Rovers win, and I think. Um, the way I'm going to have seen it is, is early and then just 
uh like not quite backs to the wall, but that the yellow like, wall. Aye, just keeping them out with the the shed just going to absolutely tonto behind us for the the second forty five. Um, <laughs> uh, just like you know, garland round Kev neck by uh, by full time. Uh, Ian, your prediction finally, please. Uh, I've got two one rovers. Uh, I think we'll go one 0 down and then score two goals after the eightieth minute. Oh, oh can't they wait? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm. Oh, dearie me, I'm. I'm. I'm not sure I can cope. Um, <laughs> yes, I am absolutely buzzing for this. I will say it again. So, um, you. I mean, you don't need us to tell you, but listen, so the 150 seats left in the shed, that is going to be the only place to be on Saturday afternoon. If you can get yourself there, and obviously I know it's close to Christmas, it's going to be absolutely freezing. I've not checked the weather forecast, but I'll tell you now, it'll be tipping down. <laughs> if you can possibly be there, absolutely get there. Um, Actually, it might not be. I'm going to just, somebody was telling me this last night, were you a heat wave? I say heat wave, it's, it's up to like six degrees or something. I'm checking right now, I'm on the weather app. Carol will be on the plane. I was going to say, right, so your heat wave at six or seven degrees, what's the what's the weather supposed to be like in, uh, is it Girona you're going to Carol? Yeah, we're going to be going to be 20, I think, this weekend. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, No bad, eh? Top of the league, 20 degrees. <laughs> I, I tell you, if, if we win on Saturday night, Girona's not going to be prepared for me uh, dancing around. <laughs> 11 degrees on Saturday. And yeah, Sunday. it's going to be fine. My app says 12 degrees. We're going to be fine. We're going to be roasting. T-shirt weather. Yeah, we're getting a really yeah. wild Once May again, then, rain. all I can say is everything is going to be totally fine forever. Yep. <laughs> but you know what? Just just a final point, just to say, um, I put that tweet out from my own account of the, the how it started, how it's going. Now, I know that everyone's going to have their own perspectives on sort of how things are with the club at the moment and the majority of people, uh, the overwhelming majority of people are going to be positive. But that Dundee United game, it's a year to the day since Brian McLaughlin put out that article saying Rafe Rovers are after investments or they're going to be making big cutbacks um, on the BBC, which pretty means pretty much means it's gospel. What a difference. Um, if you told me on the 1st of February 2022 that we'd be going up taking 1,200 fans up to Tanadice, which is more than we had for that uh, Queen of the South game um, after that transfer window immediately um, at home and we had a full backing of a board I would have probably punched you in the face uh, to be brutally <laughs> honest um, but yeah, just what a change um, just absolutely incredible where it's at, so kudos to everyone that's been involved, it's just been a phenomenal journey to be involved with as a fan can't imagine what it's like being on the inside of the club and seeing changes so yeah absolutely spot on so uh, listen we're uh, we've been we've been blathering as we always do for uh, for far too long so let's uh, let's jump into our uh, our big question for uh, for this evening right so after the thistle game on friday night ian murray i thought it was a really interesting thing that he said which because they were kind of just joking about him having money to spend and he, he sort of unprompted was like, ah, I might just go and get a really speedy winger. Um, so I went back just to double check what he says. And he basically says, specifically he wants somebody who's got pace to burn. And it does say, though, like somebody who can play out wide, uh, a Usain Bolt type. 
Which is interesting, given that all we talk about on this podcast is how he can't get all of his attackers onto the park at the same time. And uh, apparently he's, he's looking for uh, for another one. So in that vein, um, what I would like to know from each of you, please, is if you just had kind of one for this stage, we'll keep ourselves quite calm. You bring in one player or one type of player, uh, one change you could make to kind of bolster everybody's efforts going into January. Um, what would you be looking for? And uh, Ian, we'll start with you, please. Yeah, so uh, that exact kind of little conversation that you've described there kind of got me thinking about potential winners who might be available. So the one I've gone for, uh, there's a few moving parts to it. So uh, the the person I would like us to sign is Scott Tiffany. So Scott Tiffany went from Partick Thistle at the end of last season and then signed for Dundee. So for us to get him, as he's an over-21 player and we already have an over-21 loan, thankfully that over-21 loan is Sean Byrne. So we would require Sean Byrne to sign for us permanently, which I'm sure we would all be absolutely delighted with. Deal. And we could then get Scott Tiffany in on loan. So you've also got the Dundee sending us lots of good players to get it up their, their rivals. Uh, kind of got that little element as well, but... Scott Tiffany definitely fits the bill uh, for for what Ian Murray is apparently looking for. Very fast, direct winger. Um, He was exceptional in the Championship last year. Exceptional. I think he was probably one of the best players uh, to play in the Championship last year. And I think if we could get a hold of him, it would be a big, big statement of intent for the last kind of run in into the season. Because let's not be about the bush. We're in a title race here. Let's go and sign a boy who... It's going to get us, you know, very, very close in my opinion. So, yeah. Scott Tiffany, in you come. Absolutely. Um, Let's see. Robbie, let's come to you next, please. To be honest, I wouldn't actually bring anyone in. The only two changes I would make would be extending the deals for O'Reilly and getting Sean Byrne back on loan. Um, But, yeah, Scott Tiffany would be a a definite shout. But the thing that really frustrates me um, was the announcement video that Partick did uh, for Scott Tiffany when he first signed for them fully and it's obviously it's Breakfast at Tiffany the song um, but it's got Ian McCall just saying we've signed Scott Tiffany and then unprompted he goes yeah beauty why did you add the yeah beauty why would you do that Ian you've just don't need to do it just leave it off so yeah but aye, uh, to go back to the Rovers um, it would just be Burn O'Reilly get them signed extended to the end of the season and just continue to batter in the 90th minute goals Excellent I'd be happy with that um, Christina you can come in next please um, I don't I don't think I've got enough knowledge of the championship as a league to be fair to like give a, a name like Ian did I agree with what Ian Murray says and what he needs what I'm looking for in January is really previous seasons I always feel like we do really well up to Christmas and then in January we take a bit so I'm just really hoping that we can keep our form going. And like I feel like I think I'll be a bit more content if we get to like end of February and like the same kind of position we're in. I just think previous seasons I do feel like we definitely lose a bit of momentum at that time of year. So I'm hoping that whether we do sign ins or extend I would really like to see John Byrne extend his contract for sure. Whatever Ian Murray thinks is the best. I'll back him. 
<laughs> I'll just do whatever. I'll go wherever he says. I'll believe in his choices. And John Potter as well. He's made some excellent decisions for the club so far. So I'm happy to just keep riding the top of the league wave. It feels like um like the one thing we're not going to get this January is uh, is a cult hero, Punch which really. normally I'd be I'd be furious about because normally we're like sixth and uh, it's starting to already look quite boring. And you're like, oh, see if we could just bring in a guy from like Tajikistan that would at least liven the place up for a bit. You know, if we could get a, you know, just some guy who's played 14 games for 15 different teams, like to come in and, and you know, be photographed taking part in some weird cultural practices. But that's just not going to happen. We're not going to get that. We're not going to get livened up. Because uh, Ian Murray and John Potter are just too damn professional, just doing a good solid job. Uh, so... For a while, like every every sign of was sponsored by Valentis. Do you know what I mean? It was. <laughs> and, and you come, we're going to take you for a haggis supper. <laughs> um, right, Carol, what would you like to see in January? I want to touch on what I said before. I think we've got our our deck of top trumps. It's like we've got big enough problems trying to do the lineup. How are you going to bring? someone else in I think that's it's I'd said it in the WhatsApp group earlier what I want in January is a new website that shows off the club that's I, they've been promised me a new website for 18 months I want a new website that's what I want you can tell things have been well in the park when that's top of the list yep. um... yeah yeah it's the only <laughs> thing I've got to complain about and uh, Blair what about you what are your thoughts on this uh, particular subject I'm kind of somewhere close to Robbie I think in the sense that I don't really think we need um, I know he wants a, a very fast forward. Who doesn't he? But I'm not sure that fast forward exists. Um, I mean, if he gets one, great. But for me, I think if we're going to bring somebody in, I'd like to see a fullback potentially. Um, and actually, I'm going to go a wee bit. So this isn't actually me particularly. It was mentioned on the bus um, last night. A couple of the guys were talking about uh, Lewis Stevenson potentially being available for a transfer from Hibs. And for me, it makes a lot of sense. He's a guy with a lot of experience. He's a calm head. Um, I don't think we need anything. And that's maybe just really bold, but there's no part of the pitch where you go, I mean, yeah, you maybe want a slightly more attacking left back potentially than, than Liam Dick, but Liam Dick's a, a, a good defender and he does a great job for us. So um, bringing in somebody with a bit of experience that can kind of lead a bit like what Sean Barnes done when he's come in, what Josh Mullins done when he's come in, that kind of experience of being there and doing it. And he's another trusted body, I think. I mean, he'll have played with Ian Murray, I think, um, based on his age. But yeah, somebody like that would be good. Interestingly, um, I, I, I do not have very many uh, contacts in the uh, the football business by any means at all. But I, more than one person has mentioned to me in passing that in the summer, the Rovers basically had a deal for Lewis Stevenson all but signed. Yeah, and then um Hibbs basically went back to him and offered him a deal, which which obviously he was he was never likely to turn down. But they've they've changed manager since then. So that's that's an interesting one. What I hadn't thought about, but very um very possible. The thing that I was thinking about in relation to this question, it's not necessarily what I would want to happen, but it's it's an interesting dynamic that's quite an unusual one for us, which is we might have the opportunity to be the kind of big stack bullies for once 
given our league position and given how we're doing. So I'm thinking of two players in particular, a little bit like Scott Tiffany that, that Ian's mentioned already, but two guys that have signed kind of short-term deals in this division the last couple of weeks. So David yep. Witherspoon's gone in at Cali and Lewis Strapp has gone back to Morton. Both those guys are only contracted till January. I, as things stand at the moment, would be more surprised than not if either of them is still with those two particular clubs after January. Strap's only till January. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a three and a half week contract, basically. Wow. I think that's quite simply just he just needs to prove that he's fit and that he can play well, games. Can. But he's played two games in a row. I think he was quite possibly the man of the match. Um, yeah. against Duncan Cali Ferguson Hickle. was uh, raging about long throws in uh, his post-match well not raging but like post-match interview he mentions that about five times that they've got this guy that can do long throws and you're like ah Morton are back <laughs> yeah like, they're uh, they're reawoken from basically just find someone to track the man that's going to run on to the flick on at the back post and ah. Uh, just very funny if we did sign him just because the Morton fans would be devastated. And let's be honest, we can all do it with a bit more devastated Morton fans in our lives. I think I think all things being equal, I would expect both of those guys to end up in the bottom six of the premiership. Um, you know, a, a Livingston or a St. Johnston is gonna go and and um you know, given how well they're doing. But depending on what offers they're getting. I think it's worth a conversation to say, yeah. um, you know, David Wallerspoon obviously just, just undisputed quality. He's done so well. He's gone at Cali Thistle. Lewis Strap would give us a very different dimension at left back. I kind of alluded to, you know, about four hours ago when we were talking about playing a back three. I think if we had um, a Lewis Strap in the squad, you could look at a back three as an actual legitimate kind of starting option because you've got solid centre-halves and you'd have the kind of wing-backs that you would need, which um, for all of Liam Dick's uh, qualities, and there are many, he's not a wing-back. He's, he's never he's... going to be a wing-back. He's, he's a defensively-minded full-back. So that's that's where I think it's interesting because, as I say, in, in years gone by, we would be the side, Sean Byrne, for example, would be the kind of guy that we would be like, oh, you know what? A Dundee are going to come in and pinch him because they're going for the title and we are not. Um, we actually have the opportunity now to be the the team that actually maybe kind of throws the weight around a little bit and puts some I've, offers um, in front of some people. I've just thought of a very funny situation, and I don't think it will happen because I suspect that he's going to sign on again with Cali. But can you imagine how funny it would be if whoever's been signed with us and scored <laughs> in a derby after training for about eight months with Dunfermline? <laughs> I don't know how our Dunfermline are, are so bad when their training is apparently so good. He's hit the ground running. I could see um I could see Dundee United looking at strap as well, actually. Because they're kind of they're kind of lacking in the fullback um area as well. But that's really interesting. I didn't I saw that he'd signed for Morton, and I must admit I didn't read it properly. I just assumed it was until the summer. Um and that will be his only club, so he's still got another move available to him. That's a really yeah. interesting one. I see that's that's generally an interesting one in terms of, of where he goes. I just think it's for the first time in a long time we've kind of kind of earned the right to at least be part of that part of that conversation. He played a, he played a reserve game with Kilmarnock, didn't he? Yeah, Which him was, and uh, I, Gary Mackay Stephen. That's right. I see the only thing I can think is that there's he is getting questions from clubs about his fitness. Mm. 
and he's basically gone, right, well, fine. I'm going to go back to Morton. I'm going to play six games in four weeks and prove that I can, you know, play that many games. Because it's quality-wise, he's, he's better in the Championship. He proved that oh. last season. It's only his fitness that could be in question. Um, right, listen, we have been talking for a very, very long time, um, but we've had an incredibly fun game from last night to talk about and a huge game uh, for Saturday to look forward to. So I hope everybody has enjoyed listening to that. Um Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, if you have been watching as well. Um, if you are going up to Tanadice on Saturday, I'm sure you will have a great time. As you say, 150 tickets left in that shed. They will sell out. The shed is going to be absolutely bouncing. I cannot wait. Um, and we will be back, I presume, on Sunday. Um, I imagine we'll get a Sunday recording put together to uh, pick the bones out of that one. Um, but I think all that's left is for us to say goodbye. So as I say, thank you for listening and goodbye.